morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to be with you this morning. And if you're new to NCC, if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and we're so glad that you're with us. We're in our fourth and our final week of this series called At the Movies, and we've been spending the past few weeks looking at some inspiring, some challenging movies and how those movies point to biblical truths is what we've been looking at the past few weeks. And so this morning, we're going to look at the movie Wakanda Forever. Before we jump into that, um, let me just remind us of something that I've been sharing every week as we've been walking through this series. Um, Movies make us feel great emotion, like they tell a great story. A lot of times, they can inspire us. But our goal in this series is we're not preaching movies, okay? Because movies cannot ultimately transform us or change us. That's what the Word of God does. And so simply, we're using these movies to illustrate or to point to biblical truths because it is from God's word that we believe our lives are shaped, our lives are transformed, our lives are changed. And so that's kind of the heart of this series. I don't want you walking away thinking, well, I guess we better go watch those movies. I mean, they're great, but, but really what we want you to do is to engage with the scripture more, to engage with God's word more. And, and so we're going to be pointing to some biblical truths that we see. Um, the second thing is, I know this is a newer movie. Some of the other movies we've done are a couple of years old, but I promise to try to not give away too many spoilers, okay? So you won't have to plug your ears too much this morning if you've not seen this movie. Um, I promise not to give away the ending or anything like that. But, you know, as we look at this movie, it's, it's really an amazing movie, and it's a sequel to the first one. If you've seen a lot of the Marvel movies, um, Black Panther was the first in this line um, of, of movies that they're producing. Wakanda Forever is a sequel to that And we really pick up the story where um, this young princess, Shuri, is battling with her identity. And you see this conflict in the movie. There's this external kind of country or or army or villain that's kind of coming to attack Wakanda. But she's also dealing with an inner struggle. And that inner struggle is, who is she going to be? Her brother has passed away, who was the Black Panther. She doesn't feel like a warrior. She doesn't feel like a princess. She feels like a scientist. And she's struggling with that identity of who she is going to be. And you know what? We're similar in our struggle of many times we have those questions of who we're supposed to be, what we're called to do, the type of person that we feel like we should be. Sometimes we're thrust into situations or into positions that we don't feel adequately trained for, or we don't feel like we have the ability for, and we wrestle with those issues of identity. And many times as we look at this right here, it is failure and past tragedy that try to take our identity from us. Failure and past tragedy will try to take our identity from us. And that's what we see in this first clip here. See, in this clip, she's wrestling with this idea that it's one year ago today that her brother has passed away. And who she's supposed to step up and become the leader in this nation, she can't because she's still feeling that past kind of tragedy that's there in her life, that past failure. I mean, when you watch this movie and you see her in that room, she has all the technology that the world has to offer, all of these advanced sciences, like she's one of the smartest scientists in the world, and yet she was unable to save her brother. And she's, it's messing with her identity. She doesn't feel like she can step up into this leadership role because she is still carrying that. And this story is similar to one that we read about in the scripture. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn this morning to the book of Esther. 
And that's where we're going to be looking at is a number of passages from this one book here. If you've never read the book of Esther, that's okay. I'm going to give you a little bit of a snapshot of what is going on. Um, in the book of Esther, we, the story starts with this king. It's the king of the Persian Empire. At that point, the Persian Empire was one of the largest empires in the then known world. Like it really w- ruled the world at that point. And the king has a beautiful wife. The queen's name is Vasti. And so um, the king throws this enormous party. All of his friends get drunk, and he has this idea, I'm going to have my wife come out and dance for all of my friends that are drunk. And Vasti says, no, thank you. I'm not going to do that. That does not sound like a fun way to spend my afternoon. And so she rejects the king's request. And because of insecurities in the king's life, he becomes outraged, and he basically exiles the queen. But then he has this struggle, what am I going to do because I'm leading this empire without a queen. And so um, by the advice of some young men, he throws a beauty pageant. And he says, I'm going to get all the pretty ladies in the empire together, and I'm going to pick out the most beautiful lady, and she is going to be my queen to kind of substitute or to fill in for Vashti's, who he had um, exiled. And so we pick up this story in Esther chapter 2, verse 7 with Esther. And it says this, Mordecai, he was kind of a leader in the Persian Empire, he was of Jewish descent, had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither a father nor mother. This young woman was also known as Esther. She had a lovely figure and was beautiful. And Mordecai had taken her in as his own daughter when her father and mother had died. Now, when the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, So this is, he's going to throw the beauty pageant. Many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who was in charge of the harem. And she pleased him and won his favor. Now, as you continue to read this, you discover that Esther is the most beautiful of all of the women in the kingdom. And she catches the eye of the king and she is exalted and put into the royal palace as now the reigning queen over the Persian Empire. But when you read this, and, and I would love for you guys to do this, go through the story of Esther. It's such a powerful story. You see, she has these same issues of questioning her identity. She's struggling with this because of past tragedy in her life. She is now the queen. She has all of the royal garments. She has all of the servants. She lives in the palace, but there's still this part of her that feels like she is an orphan, that she doesn't belong, that even though she has the title and even though she has the the location and all of that, that she's still struggling with who she is supposed to be and what this looks like in her life. And I want to tell you, in your life, in all of our lives, it is failure and past tragedy that will try to take your identity away from you. Like there are going to be moments of struggle where you feel like I've come up short or something has happened that has devastated you that now tells you you are not who other people think you are. Where you feel like a fraud in a leadership position or you feel like inadequate to be a parent or to raise kids because of failures in your past where you feel like I can't do this and there's no way I can do what I'm supposed to. It is past failures and tragedy that try to take away our identity. I remember just a few years ago, I was sitting in a room kind of like this, and there were about 40 other pastors, and um, there was a pastor who's a close friend of mine, and he was speaking from the stage, and he pastors a church of thousands of people. He's been all around the world and spoken at leadership conferences. He's written books, and he says, let me tell you this, I still struggle with my identity. 
He said, when I was in the fifth grade middle school, I tried out for the basketball team. I worked my hardest. It was all week long. And he said, it got to the end of the week and they were making cuts. And the coach came up to me and he said, hey, you did great. You tried really hard, but you didn't make the team. And he said, let me tell you, as a 50-year-old pastor, I still hear the voice of that coach in my head. And I tell myself, I'm not good enough. I'm not part of God's team. I'm a failure. Doesn't matter how high I try, how hard I try, I'm never going to be enough. He said, I'm still carrying those identity issues with me. There are times where past failures will try to define who you are. And it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. Many times on the inside, we are struggling with who God has called us to be or who we are supposed to be. Just like Esther, we feel maybe feelings of abandonment or rejection or that we're missing something that someone else had, a mom or a dad or whatever it is, fill in the blank. It is those things that will try to take your true identity away from you, who God has called you to be in your life. And we struggle with this, you guys. It doesn't matter if you're 10, 15, 20, 40. We can still struggle with those identity issues, what God has spoken over us, and we can allow allow past failures and tragedies to begin to define us. And when we do that, it's going to mess with our leadership or who God has called us to be. And your identity is not what others say about you, but it's what Yahweh has spoken over you. When we're watching the movie Wakanda Forever, there is a moment where Shuri, this princess, is getting ready to step up and be the Black Panther. And she has kind of this vision or this revelation. And she remembers this villain from the first movie. And he is challenging her that she's not a noble leader. She's actually just out for revenge. And he kind of challenges her with that question. Are you going to take care of business? Are you going to get revenge? You're not like your dad. Your brother wasn't that great of a leader. That's how you're going to be. Watch this clip as she is struggling with what others are saying about her identity. She is struggling with what kind of leader she is going to be. And there are all these voices in her life that are telling her who she should be or who she shouldn't be. And you're going to have that in your life. I've had that in my life. Other people that want to speak into our life that maybe shouldn't have a voice in our life, but are going to try to shape our identity into who they think we should be, but your identity should not be shaped by what others say, but about by what Yahweh God has spoken over you. That's what we need to listen to as it comes to our identity. As we walk through the story of Esther, we see this in Esther chapter 2 verse 10. It says this, Esther had not revealed her nationality or family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Like this is the person that's supposed to be protecting her and he's got this fear in his life. So he tells Esther, hey, you can't tell people who you really are. It can't become known that you are one of God's people, that you are of Jewish descent, or it could go very badly for you in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of Persia there. And so she has to struggle with this of, is she supposed to hide her identity? Is she supposed to hide who she really is? Is this part of what God is calling her to do? And so there is this struggle in her life. And there are those moments in your life, there have been those moments in my life, like maybe you're even thinking of them right now where someone has said something and it's still staying with you, like it's shaping you and it's forming you. And we all have those. Sometimes people don't even know what they're saying or they don't know what they're doing, but like it really can affect us in our identity and who we are. And it can cause us to forget what God has spoken over our life. Like this one that sticks with me is I was in fourth grade math class. 
And um, I remember that. I was really great at math, like I always got done. And usually the teacher let me help kind of like tutor or help other people. But one day she called me out in front of the whole class as like the class clown. And she's like, you're just trying to put on a show and get attention from everyone. And you guys, that can still stick with me. Instead of the pastor or the leader or someone that preaches truth, I can still hear that voice, you're just trying to put on a show, Aaron. That's what you're doing. And you guys, we will have those struggles in our life. It may have been a parent, it may have been a teacher, it may have been a leader in your life that said something. They may not even have realized what they said, but they're shaping your identity through their voice instead of you and I allowing the truth of God's word to shape who we are. And this is what Esther is facing. Like even the person that loves her and that is taking care of her, Mordecai is saying, you got to kind of hide your identity. And you guys, this is a whole different message, but it just continues to remind us the people in the Bible are not perfect, okay? This is not the story of these great heroes that are doing everything right. These are the story of broken people that get it wrong sometimes, and they have to keep coming back to God saying, I'm sorry, I messed up, I shouldn't have done that. And we see that in Mordecai's life. In Esther chapter 4, he then becomes an echo, right? At first he's saying, hide your identity. But then he becomes an echo of the voice of Yahweh when he says this. Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, and he sends back to her. Esther, do not think because you are in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. It had been discovered that someone in the palace was trying to annihilate every single Jewish person in the Persian Empire. That they were going to be killed. And Mordecai says, Esther, don't think you're going to escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arrive from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What's happening here is Esther has been told by others, she's just eye candy for the king, right? She's just someone to look pretty in the palace, to kind of fill in for the other queen that is no longer there. And God has spoken something different. God has said, Esther, you are a plan of my salvation for my people. You're a plan. I put you in a leadership position to speak, to protect, to protect, and to make sure that this evil plot does not come against the people of God, the Jewish people. And Esther has this struggle of listening to others' voice or stepping up into who God has called her to be. And you guys, when we face struggles like this, my challenge to you is go back to the scriptures. Remember what God has said. When God has looked at your life and he says, I have chosen you. And I want you to hear this, church. Other people may have rejected you. God said, I have chosen you. You may have gotten passed up for a promotion, but God says, I see you. I've called you. I have a purpose. I have a destiny for your life, just like he spoke to Esther. It's for this moment and this time. That's what God is saying over us. When you feel less than, when you feel worthless, when you feel devalued, when you feel like an orphan and you've been abandoned, remember, God has called you his daughter God has called you his son. He has said, I see you and I've accepted you into my family. That is your identity. So church, hear this. You walk into your workplace with your head high, not arrogant or cocky, but knowing you walk with the authority of God. 
You walk in confidence when you make business decisions, when you parent, when you lead your household. Why? Because you walk in the authority of God. Yahweh has said, this is your identity. You are mine. That's what God has spoken over us. And I want to challenge you. You've got to get those other words. No matter what someone else said, you've got to get them out of your mind. God has a purpose and he has a plan for you. And just like Esther, he's saying, I put you in this position for this moment, for this time, for this calling, because I want to do something with your life. We need to listen to God's words as it comes to our identity. The last thing I want to remind you of is this right here. Knowing your identity doesn't just save you, but it saves others. There's a moment in this movie where Shuri is faced with this this, this decision. Is she just going to get revenge? Or is she going to lead her people well into a moment of peace? Watch this. I love that moment. She's reminded by her mom. Show him who you are. Who the kind of leader that you're supposed to be. The kind of leader that you've been called to be. Remember your identity. And you guys, we have that same challenge from God. And I believe this. When we truly understand what God wants to do in our lives, the calling that he has for us, it not only impacts us, but it brings salvation to others. We see this in the life of Esther here. In Esther chapter 7, verse 3, Esther goes before the king to plead for the life of her people, even though it endangers her own life. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition And spare my people, this is my request. For I and my people have been sold to destruction, killed and annihilated. And if I had merely been sold as male or female slaves, I would have kept quiet. But no such distress would justify disturbing the king. So she's saying, our lives are in danger. We're about to be wiped out as a people. And I'm pleading for mercy. This is what God has called me to do. And when you read Esther chapter 8, verses 15 through 17, like, You see in this passage that Esther brought salvation not only to the Jewish people, but it says that many others in the Persian Empire, their hearts turned towards God. These are people of other faiths, of other religions, but when they saw the way that Esther responded to this, and they saw the hand of Yahweh over her life, that their hearts turned towards God because she was willing to listen to the voice of God and be the leader that God had called her to be. When you and I step into the identity that God has called us to be, it not only affects us, but it affects others around us. And I want to encourage you that this, with that this morning, that knowing your identity, it doesn't just save you, but it saves others. That when you understand the calling of God in your life, when you remember that, that God has spoken over your life, that you are a son, that you are a daughter of God, when you remember that, it changes the way you go into your workplace. Students, it changes the way you interact with classmates in your school or other kids in your choir class or in your sports activities. Like when you remember that what God has spoken over your life, it changes things and others are impacted. Others are saved. Who has God placed in your life around you that they need you to know your identity? They need to know the leader that God has called you to be. Your family that needs to know the mom or the dad that God has spoken over over your life and you may feel like I didn't have great parents like I didn't have a great role model but God is calling you to step into that calling because he wants you 
to leave a legacy. He wants you to change some things in your family tree. God is speaking that over you, that that is your identity. And it's not only going to change your life, it's not only going to impact your life when you begin to listen to the voice of God, it's going to impact others and bring salvation to them. I want to encourage you with that, that God has you in mind when he spoke those verses like I've given you, that he has kept you, that you are part of his family, that you are victorious, that you are an overcomer, that you are a leader, that you are called to minister to others. God has placed gifts in your life, and that's not only there for you so that you feel good, it is there to change and to minister and to impact others. And so I want to challenge you, do not let past tragedy, don't let past failures determine your identity. Church, do not let what others have spoken over your life, maybe negative things that have been said over you, don't let that determine your future. Listen to the voice of God. Remind yourself of what he has said. Step into that identity. It's not only for you, but it's for the salvation, the redemption, and the healing of others. That's what God wants to remind us of this morning. I want to encourage you this week, if you can, go back and read the entire story of Esther. There's so much there. And it's a powerful reminder to not allow ourselves to fail, but to remind ourselves God has that calling over our life. Let me pray for you this morning. If you would take a second, bow your head and close your eyes. You may be in this room this morning, and I'm speaking about what God's said over you about your identity, but maybe you're disconnected from God. Maybe you're joining us online for the first time, and you would be honest and say, Aaron, I don't really know about God. I don't have a relationship with God. But I'm telling you this morning, he loves you. God's not up in heaven waiting for you to fail so he can laugh at you or so he can punish you. This is a God that formed you and that created you with purpose. This is a God that says, I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to show you all of the dreams, all of the goodness that I have for your life. Jesus describes it as this life full of abundance, this life full of overflow. And so many times we try to do it our own way. We let others, what they've spoken over us, cause us to rebel against God, to try to do it our own way. And we mess it up, you guys. And the scripture is very clear. We cannot fix ourselves on our own. We can't try to be good enough to go to church enough, to read the Bible enough, to get back God's love. It just doesn't work like that. It just happens by saying, God, I know I've messed up and I can't fix myself and I need a relationship with you. God, I want you to be in my life. And like I said, he's got purpose and plans for you. And if that's you, I'm going to lead us in this simple prayer and it just acknowledges that. And if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't have a relationship with God, I want to invite you to say this prayer with us. And to say, God, I want you to be a part of my life. That's what this prayer acknowledges. And I want to invite everyone in the room. Can we say this out loud together? Because we don't want anyone praying this alone. We don't want anyone saying this by themselves. Repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I come to you. I know I've messed up. I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. So this morning, I invite you in. I want a relationship with you. So be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Give me a brand new start. I pray this in your name. Amen. 
Now, church, can you put your hands together and celebrate with anyone that prayed that prayer? The Bible says this, that all of heaven is rejoicing, all of heaven celebrates, when even one person that says, man, I didn't have a relationship with God, but I prayed that this morning, and and now God's doing something in my life, that all of heaven is partying, all of heaven is celebrating, and we are, we're celebrating with you this morning. And so I want to encourage you that if you're starting that journey, we don't want you to start that alone. And so we want to encourage you um, to take this next step. And that is you can go to newcommunity.co slash connect track. And it's just this class and it meets a few times a month here at the church, um, right around service time. And we want to encourage you to go there and to sign up. And it's a great class where we just talk about what does it mean to know Jesus? When we talk about God saving us from our sins, What does that mean to be safe from our sins? And it's a safe place to ask any questions. You don't have to be embarrassed where you're at or what you know or don't know. It's a safe place to say, hey, God, I want to get to know more about you and to learn, hey, how do I connect here at the church? How do I keep growing in my relationship with God? So I want to encourage you, take that next step. Go to newcommunity.co slash connect track. And then I want to give you some action steps this morning. So these are just simple ways we can apply the message that we talked about. Um, As you leave this morning, right here on this small table in the back, you're going to see sheets of paper that just say who I am in Christ, okay? And it has um, a number of statements on there. I am victorious. I'm an overcomer. I'm a son or a daughter of God. Like what God has said about your identity. And I want you to pick like two or three statements. Just meditate on them this week. So take just a few minutes every morning. Pick out one of those statements. Say them out loud. There's scripture references that go with each of those statements. They're not just like feel-good statements that kind of get you going for your day. They're actually from the Word of God, things that God has spoken over us. So I want to encourage everyone, grab one of those sheets, take that with you, remind yourself, meditate on that this week of, Lord, this is what you have said about my identity. I want to lead us in one more prayer. Um, This time, I want to encourage you, don't just repeat after me, but just in your own words, would you ask God, Lord, help me to know my identity? Help me to know what you've spoken over me. And you can just use simple words, but let's just pray and ask God to help us apply this message this morning. God, thank you because when others have given up on us, when others have written us off, when others have told us we're a failure or this is the end, God, of the road for us or whatever they've said over our life, past failures, past tragedies, Lord, that would try to stop us, God, you still have a purpose. You still have a plan, Lord. You look at each of us, God, and you have dreams for our lives. So that's what I pray over us as a church, God. Let us step into your identity, God. Let us keep walking in your purpose and your plan, God. Drown out all the other voices, God, of negativity in our life and help us to hear your voice, Yahweh, each and every day as we step into our schools, into our workplace, God, as we lead our families in our marriages, God. Help us to step into our God-given identity for this moment, Lord, where you've called us. God, we want to serve you well and we want to honor you. Lord, we realize it's not just for us, but it's for the salvation of others. God, I'm praying, help us to be that kind of church. We pray this in your name. Amen.